when you you developed your brand and it's live and you're looking to scale it because i always said when i started it's not about the money i want to create a good brand because i want to take the product welcome to the 10k collective podcast for six seven and eight figure amazon and e-commerce sellers part of the amazing fba podcast family if you want to scale fast target a seven-figure exit and enjoy the process then keep listening today's sponsor is eva the best ai repricer for amazon profits private label sellers are you wasting your cash Eva reprices your products for you, and the result is up to 50% more profits. Eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the USA and is now out for British and European sellers as well. For a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers, a subset of the amazing FBA podcast family for Amazon sellers in general. My name is Michael Wiesen. I'm the host of the podcast and of course, an e-commerce seller and consultant myself. Today, we are talking about blogging and writing to develop a D2C audience. Nice, specific, tactical stuff here. We're talking with Adam Wright, who is the CEO and founder of Super Green Tonic, a D2C greens powder brand. and basically an e-commerce owner, not really running an agency or anything. First of all, Adam, warm welcome to the show. Thanks so much for jumping on with us. Uh, Thanks, Michael. It's great to be here. Excellent. So we're going to plunge straight in. We can get a bit of background about you. But first of all, got to ask the question, why start with direct-to-consumer, not Amazon? That's obviously almost a controversial choice in the sort of orthodoxy of Amazon seller. So what led you down that path? To be honest, I didn't have much choice initially because I'm actually, uh, well, you can tell I'm from the UK, but I'm actually living in Penang in Malaysia. So actually when I tried to set up on Amazon, they wouldn't let me. <laughs> I was in a, in a loop of, they, we can't verify who you are. You're a British guy living in Malaysia with a Hong Kong company. It's not going to happen. So in the end, I gave up even trying to go on Amazon, even though I wanted to really give it a go. And I started just doing e-com with a WooCommerce store. So uh, Amazon shot themselves in the foot there. So they have to say that trying to make sense of, so you're British and you've got a Hong Kong company, but you live in Penang and where were you trying to sell to? Were you trying to sell to the US? US. (laughs) I can see that between four different jurisdictions, in fact, you've got three continents in there and and four jurisdictions that I can see why they might find that a bit much, but presumably WooCommerce didn't. WooCommerce, obviously quite a well-known platform, but not as famous as Shopify. I think Shopify blew up during the pandemic phase and it's not a phrase. So we ought to get into the why that platform as well, really? I'm I was wary of platform debates because everyone can miss the points, but what was your personal choice? Actually, my background is with web development. So I do have experience there and I've actually used WooCommerce in the past. So that's actually what made me think I can use that platform. In fact, I've developed all of the e-com site myself. So that meant that I could just jump in and I could basically tweak it and basically update it and create it from scratch. And so the the cost for doing that was really low. With Shopify, I was tempted to use the platform, but 
when I set up my merchant account, they actually, they didn't support it any longer. So again, I was really pushed in the direction of using WooCommerce. Interesting. So it sounds like a lot of your choices have been developed by other people's inflexibility, which is interesting. Yeah. I guess you've got a bit of a unique perspective because you have that development background. So if you didn't yeah. have that development background, how usable would WooCommerce be for the average internet marketing savvy, but not development type person to yeah, set up? Both platforms, they've got the pros and cons, of course. With, with WooCommerce, you can set up and it's cheaper to set up, but you have to get your hands dirty a bit with the platform. With Shopify, it's a lot easier to use. You can jump in, select templates, etc. You can use the marketplace to actually get the, the extra plugins you need, but you will have to pay for them. So if you want to start off really quickly and you're not technical, I would say Shopify. If you have a bit of technical knowledge and you're happy with, let's say, getting your hands dirty a bit and, and tweaking with the platform, then you can use sort of WooCommerce. But the other thing is, and we, I know we'll talk about this a bit later, is that I do a lot of blogging. So I was drawn to WordPress anyway because of the sort of the user friendliness of the blogging platform or publishing platform. Shopify, I'll be honest, I heard a lot of sort of negative things in terms of the blogging part of the platform. For me, it, it was mostly that I was pushed in the direction of WooCommerce, but I feel fairly comfortable with the, fact, the platform. I guess there's always a way where you could use WordPress as an apparently mm. a site to the consumer that looks like yeah. it's, it's the same branding and similar user experience and same menus and other things like that. But you could have a sort of WordPress plot for the blogging and a Shopify yeah. for the back end. Is that something that sounds use, usable or doable to you? I, I say this is somebody yeah. who hasn't done that, by the way, just to be clear. Yeah, you could do that. You could set up a subdomain. So you could have shop dot whatever your brand is dot com. And you can have, say, you know, brandx.com as your front end sort of platform. It, it really depends on my products, a single product site. So with WooCommerce, you do have to play around with it to perform like a single product. Whereas the traditional WooCommerce site is a multi-product store like you would see on Shopify. Okay. So I guess it slightly depends on how many products you've got. So it always feels you tried to be quite conventional and you ended up being <laughs> quite different because of who yeah. you are, that kind of word. That's one thing I would say is if you're talking to various people in the DTC world, again, not my personal experience, but I think switching platforms is pretty damn painful. So I guess it is one of yeah. those things you want to keep, you want to make a decision at the start that's going to work for you and keep going. So you mentioned blogging. So let's get into the, the main sort of thrust of this. We're talking about how to actually get traffic, but I think the, the platform discussion and the whole, how did you end up thing is part and parcel of that, isn't it? So tell us about your traffic strategy, because obviously you've got that kind of crickets phenomenon with your own D2C, haven't you? On Amazon, you've got a competition overload, but at least there's people there. D2C, yeah. not so much. So what was the starting point for your thoughts on? Yeah, I mean, with actually the brands, even before the brands started, I was blogging anyway. And it's not that I've, I'm a particularly good blogger, to be honest. I mean, my English sucks. I always, my wife's uh, Malaysian Chinese and I always say that she's got better English than me. But it, I was actually blogging because I was taking a year out from work. 
So we'd shortly moved over, over to Malaysia. So I was just blogging in general just to do something. And I was writing very random content, to be honest. It was very scattergun, not with any sort of commercial intent, to be honest. It was very much, I want to learn, I want to improve my writing. So let's blog three or four times a week and see how I get on. I had the luxury of time. So I did this for a good six, seven months and actually noticed that I was getting traction for certain sort of sort of certain niches. And I was actually looking into particular sort of supplement products and I was trying them. So I was trying them. Then I, I did the typical affiliate thing where I ended up reviewing them. Again, not necessarily looking to be commercial. I just quite enjoyed trying it out. And I was genuinely trying, looking for a product that I would take. And in the end, because I couldn't find products, so I ended up deciding to do my own. And I wrote the journey about creating my own brand on my blog. So I, I wrote about 60,000 words, I think, on there. And yeah, that actually developed almost like a tiny audience already so that when I could actually, when I released the brand, I, I had people asking for it, which was interesting. So I developed, if you like, an audience. It was quite small, the audience. They were like very, very keen. And they resonated with why I was developing the product. So in the end, as soon as the product was released, like we had this little audience and then it shifted and there was some commercial intent on the blog. And that's when I decided to start looking and being a bit more focused on what I was writing about and Very you use tools. Yeah. And you use tools to do that, of course, like SEO tools. Yeah. yeah let's talk about the mechanics of that in a second, but I, I fear that people want to skip past the journey and just go to the neat little tactical bits. And I suspect that it's about the journey that, that makes the thing work in the first place. So reflecting on that, you were, first of all, I guess you're willing to experiment with just doing something to improve the scale and put something out there and see what resonated. I, I think that's, yeah. it sounds a little bit random and, and certainly I wouldn't suggest somebody quit the day job and do that or take funding from business partners or get a loan and do that. But on the other hand, if you can find a way of doing that, and there's nothing to stop anyone doing this part-time, I guess, it sounds very much like something one could do part-time alongside yeah. a day job. But I think it, it reminds me a bit of how I could the podcast, actually, that we are speaking to each other on now, and which has made good money and provided a lot of opportunities for people to learn, for me to get things out there, for people like yourself to get themselves out there. So there's a lot of positive win-wins for everyone. Yeah. And that started with me just talking about my journey as a, an Amazon seller. And it took about six months before I even began to think about monetizing it. And I wasn't really confident enough until somebody said, everyone else is hanging out their shingle. Why don't you do the same? So <laughs> it's interesting yeah. that sometimes a little bit of creativity and randomness can be part of the journey, can't it? Looking back on it, if you had to package it up a little bit more neatly for somebody to cop copy your path, what would you keep of that? Or what would you say was part of your success and what was just random and wouldn't be needed again if you had to reverse engineer it for somebody? Yeah, I mean... I would say, I would say if you're, uh, it's a bit, it's a real cliche and I almost rolling my own eyes uh, saying this or even <laughs> thinking about it, it. It's this passion thing, isn't it? And yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. If you were trying to follow this approach by using your last 10, 20 K in the bank, that's a dangerous path because it can be hit and miss. For me, it was a case of. I was pretty passionate about the product because I wanted to take it. So that was my sort of motivation because I really wanted a product. And then actually I was thinking 50%, 60% sure this will be commercial. 
But if you, if I was starting from scratch, I would actually probably not do like my own custom formula like I did. I would actually probably use like a private label product and actually test the market and, and do it this way. Then actually look at doing sort of the blogging to build up the audience alongside of say maybe more paid traffic sort of avenues. Whereas for me, it completely was, uh, with paid traffic, I'm still really new to it, I'll be honest. And my background is certainly doing more SEO-based traffic generation and more recently email, which we, we can talk about or touch on later. Yeah. So yeah, that that's what I would do. I would probably look at, and then in fact, I actually had friends here, fellow expat, expats and entrepreneurs who said, why don't you put up a landing page and not even have the product ready just and refund anyone that buys it refund say sorry it's sold out but for me it's and that is a purely with an entrepreneurial right let's test the market that makes sense but for me the problem with that is that because my face my face isn't on the label but it's on the website and so that's part of the authenticity for me i wanted to it actually makes me uncomfortable being on the front and center of the brand, but I thought that was important because it's part, it's a big part of the brand story. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah no, some very interesting reflections there. What's nice is that it doesn't fit neatly into some sort of formulaic approach, which I think is partly why it works. Anything very formulaic. There are two problems with it. Number one, your competition's doing it already. And if not, they're going to copy you because it's obvious. And, and the second yeah. one is your audience is bored of that because they've heard it all before. So it's, uh, yeah. I think in the end, there's nothing wrong strategically with, I, I might be tempted to do that because I wouldn't be that interested in a supplement. This is the difference between you and me. And this is why yeah. it probably wouldn't have worked for me at all is, is I would have said, because you know, I'm taking super greens and I'm like, I'm, I need to lose weight and I need to get healthy. So I'm like sold on the basic idea, but I'm lukewarm about it. Whereas you're obviously just quietly yeah. a bit obsessed. You're scratching your own itch. It's like mm -hmm. a constant. Yeah. But is that really the best possible? Is that really the thing? Is it that kind yeah. of obsessive thing? Like you were talking about the podcast microphones before the show, I, I yeah. bought five and is this my last one I'm going to buy? I'm almost certainly not because I'm looking for that ideal sound, that authoritative warm and yet crisp and so it's a quiet obsession of mine and you have the similar thing super queen so i would say the first thing is that obsession yeah. is likely to attract other people who are a bit obsessive and that's going to be a loyal audience my yeah. first reflection second reflection is a private label formula wouldn't be unique so it's hard to reflect to, yeah. to defend against and the third thing is exactly. dry testing i would do the dry testing because i would only be interested in the money but i just don't mm. think that would work because people would sense i was only in it for the money <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my my response. That's, I know it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that actually that last point's really interesting because it, this could go down. This could be a whole episode on its own in terms of the entrepreneurial journey when you're creating your brand, or actually when you you developed your brand and it's live and you're looking to scale it. Because I always said when I started, it's not about the money. I want to create a good brand because I want to take the product. Yeah, if you produce a product and you put half of what you really want to have inside it and you make it an inferior product, then all I'm doing is I'm taking it myself and I'm kidding myself. So actually I, in the same instance, it needs to be commercial. It's, we're not a charity, so it has to be commercial. And that's the tricky thing. And then there has been times and I have to admit we're 18 months in and I was, and I was thinking, Guys, is this, is this really going to work? We make money, We're making money and then making like a sort of a sustainable business that we can grow with employees and actually maybe even exit at some stage. Then that's a second, that's another issue. It's really, and, and like 
as you know yourself, like when you're running a business, you have ups and downs, but it's challenging trying to reconcile that. Yeah. Yeah. What I would say, yeah, I think, how can I put this? What I'm getting from the journey, we move on to the tactical traffic stuff, by the way, if you're listening, (laughs) folks, but I'm loving this because I don't think the tactics are going to win stuff for anyone. Actually, I think this is the, this is the quotes magic. It's not a formula at all. It's, I think it's two things. Number one, if you care about it, you just put your finger on the fact that you're going to stick with it because you're going to have bad days and good days. Anything significant, training for a marathon, I've trained for half marathons and that's pretty painful. You're going to have a strong objective and external expectations, but also internal ones like a marriage, like a career, like bringing up kids, anything significant, it's going to have painful days, right? If you're not committed, you're going to flake off. I think that's the first thing. And I've seen that a lot with people who aren't that committed. When it gets a little bit tricky, they just disappear and normally yeah. they say, oh, I want to stop mentoring or leave the group or whatever. And the second thing is, I think that there is a, a nose that people have out there for somebody who's committed versus flaky. And I think people respond to the fact that you're, you're doggedly sticking at something and searching yeah. for the answer to their question as well as yours, which is a product that does X that really solves a problem, whatever yeah. that is. Super Greens, I don't even know what they do. Allegedly, they're good for, for health, but that's relevant because yeah. this isn't about not trying to sell me Super Greens, but so really fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the traffic piece, which is a little bit more yeah, tactical. Yeah. So the first thing to say is, and I think I don't want to gloss over this point, you started building an audience way before you had anything to sell, which is the yeah. opposite to most people I've worked with in a private label sphere. If they're not good, some people are great at this. Most people go buy the product from China based on a bunch of research or if it's supplements from the UK, maybe. And then uh, they put on Amazon and they throw traffic at it in a desperate attempt to find an audience for a product they've already developed. Now you co-develop the product and the audience alongside each other, which is cool to me. So tell me a bit more about that journey that you had and how you communicated that journey to your audience, how you built that audience at the same time. Yeah, the the blog, actually what I did do is, it's a slow journey, blogging for a start. Especially now, I was doing some SEO sort of 10 years ago and the cliche there is that it was a lot easier. So I, I did have a background in doing it. So with building the audience, it was literally, I was blogging, sharing it with friends and, and with expats like living in this community. And then I was sort of writing and it was really random stuff I wrote, you know, just being an expat, just doing intermittent fasting, the aura ring, just doing some product. You know, if anyone knows the aura ring, it's a great bit of tech, but you know, all this sort of stuff. And then when I started talking about the greens niche and actually I was ranked for products that I'd actually tried and it was interesting. I was raising sort of issues that I thought were present in different brands and actually discovered that this was something that most brands actually, in my opinion, didn't do right from the consumer point of view. And that's what I doubled down on really. And and that's what one of the sort of USPs for my brand is. And it's all about like transparency. And as part of that, then I started thinking, what if I wrote my process of developing this brand as separate blog posts. I was looking at, well, which fulfillment center should I use in the US? How about merchant processing? How about, in fact, the debate, Shopify, WooCommerce? I I even talked about that on on the blog. So all of these issues about customer support, what tools shall I use? Now, all of this was, I was actually writing this while actually looking and, and actually researching what to do. So it was quite interesting. Some of it has changed since, and I, this is probably a call for me to update that content, but some of that actually changed. And actually I did have an idea of thinking if this brand actually becomes commercial, then 
this writing about the creating of the brand is one piece of the puzzle because the second piece is traffic generation and basically marketing. Yeah. So that I, was, yeah. That's fascinating. So for me, that falls into the three phases, which by the way, I think is, it's very humble to recognize that you're going to need to develop your craft over time. So if somebody came to me and said, cause I used to teach piano a lot and still do a little bit of that to keep my hand in and my wife does a lot and said, okay, so I want to play the piano commercially. I've been paid to play the piano a lot of my life and so my wife. I'd say, great. So what's your time scale? And they'd say six months and I'd say, go away. You're a fantasist because it's going to be a lot slower than that. Now, obviously yeah. the great thing about digital skills and the viability of these markets and the hunger there is out there for audiences for digitally delivered goods, let's put it that way, whether you say delivered digitally bought goods, i.e. e-commerce, but there's a hunger for it. It's not the same as trying to be a pianist, hyper-competitive. Nevertheless, there is a learning curve. So it seems to me you went mm -hmm. through three phases just to learn about blogging that gradually became more and more commercial, and more and more niche over time, which is number one, talk about everything just to get started, which I think is great because most people never start anything, me included with many of my ideas of stillborn. The second thing is you started writing about the Greens niche specifically, and then you started talking about your specific brand development story, which is yeah. a kind of beautifully, it's like phases. I wouldn't necessarily say mm. you could make a course straight away and you have to do phase one, two, and three in that order, but there is something organically logical about yeah. that for me, I think. Was this yeah. just all by chance, did you, did you have a kind of grand plan or did the plan that gradually occur to you to do it in this way? Or how did that come about? It, it was actually, excuse the pun, quite organic, <laughs> the, the process, because I, I was involved with the supplement sector sort of years ago and I was doing digital marketing for some brands and I did affiliate marketing sort of many years ago. And actually I didn't want to get back into the supplement space. I, I was not keen because it's very competitive and there, there are steps you need to jump through, especially if you're creating your own brand from compliance to actually physically shipping the products. And it, it just actually, for me, setting up a website, an e-com store is pretty straightforward, but it, it's all the other steps that I was, ah, do I want to do this? But I was looking for something that I could get my teeth into and and originally when I looked at Amazon, I was going to be one of the guys. And when I went to the Canton fair and I was blown away, to be honest, there was just so much there and I didn't want to create a brand, just scale it or try to scale it and then sell it. I wanted to have something that I knew that I was in it because I wanted to be in it because I was self-interested, like I wanted to take the product or use the service, whatever I was doing. I didn't want it to be just a quick churn and burn. And that's why I didn't do any drop shipping business. I didn't do any private labeling because I was concerned that I didn't really own anything. I wanted to actually own it. And it's actually, it's a brand, it's more than just the ingredients in this tub. Yeah. And I think this is so interesting because your journey is quite different from the cliched kind of, this is what I went to the Canton Fair, private labeled some stuff, did some product research using Helium 10 or Jungle Scout or whatever. I think the fact that you knew how much work it was going to be, but went ahead anyway, because you really cared about the quality of what you were making. I think, again, I suspect this stuff just communicates itself to the consumers. In your case, you communicated directly yeah. by talking about the, the product development. Again, two things I think you're doing, which are a lot of private label slash custom product businesses are missing out. Number one, despite being uncomfortable with it, you want it to be the face of the brand because it personalizes it. And I would always say to anyone who wants to create a brand, like the most unique thing is you. It doesn't mean that yeah. you don't have to package it up and, and think it through and sell it, but it, it does mean it's easy to create a unique thing about a single person 
than create mm -hmm. a corporate identity with no person visible. And most people seem to do that as a default in e-commerce, as distinct from yeah. the information marketing space, where, of course, it's all the cult of the guru, as they call it, which I hate, but it yeah. is about that. Uh, but that, number one, that's a missed opportunity. And number two, as they say, show how the sausage is made. People want to know how what processes you've gone through to get to the holy grail they want the story if, if indiana jones just was i went out there there was this really valuable thing i bought it off a guy for 10 million dollars because i'm rich already from an auction end of film there would be nothing engaging about that there's got to be a bit of a struggle for people to even believe that there's a thing valuable in the first place which by the way is sometimes fake but that struggle yeah. i think is part of the the psychology of a brand why did somebody create something they did 10 different versions of it and then it didn't work and then they did this and it did work and that engages people so i think you've, you've stumbled across a lot of very profound principles in your uh, search perhaps Hey folks, thank you so much for listening to today's interview with Adam Wright from Super Green Tonic, creator of his own direct-to-consumer brand site that actually works profitably, which is um, easy to say, hard to do. I know a lot of Amazon sellers that are struggling with that very journey themselves, i.e. they are currently Amazon sellers, but they aspire to be at least two-channel e-commerce sellers with their own site, but it's not easy to make it work. That's why I thought this was really worth deep diving into this week. So we've got several interviews for to be precise with Adam coming up this week. So today we've been talking about platform setup and blogging for traffic. Um, interesting to reflect on the actual journey that Adam took rather than some textbook approach, starting off really blogging and getting traffic and developing his craft as a blogger before he then started developing the actual brand. So I find that very, very interesting. Not saying anyone should go and copy that exact strategy, but it's certainly worth reflecting on for yourself whether that is actually a starting point rather than starting with let's make money right now and let's develop a brand and, and pay all the money for stock before you've even got into you know the understanding the audience or started creating your own brand or traffic. So very thought-provoking. I hope you found that interesting. If you happen to be based in the US and you want to experience uh, some super greens yourself if you're into your health then you can go to supergreentonic with a k.com and you use the code amazingfba for a 15% discount for those who are considering selling supplements if you want to get some consultancy if you go to amazingfba.com forward slash adam wright w-r-i-g-h-t um, then you can get 30% off by um, you get a one-hour session, get a roadmap, and you get some resources like some about fulfillment and manufacturing. You get thirty percent off if you use the code Amazing FBA. Um, thank you very much for listening, and look forward to speaking to you in a show soon. Thanks for listening to the Ten K Collective podcast for six and seven-figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.